0: Hello and welcome to the Talkie Indonesia podcast. I'm your host, Dave McCray from the University of Melbourne's Asia Institute, and today we'll be discussing Indonesia's ongoing and yet highly controversial revisions to its criminal code, the piece of legislation that defines criminal offences and their punishments. For as long as I've been following Indonesian politics, the Indonesian criminal code has been under revision. To illustrate this point, when I asked a middle aged Indonesian legal expert about a decade ago when he thought, Revisions might be finalised, he said he couldn't be sure because the revision process had already been underway when he started his legal studies some decades before. But over the past few months, the sense has grown that a revised criminal code may just be legislated within President Jacobi's first term, as deliberations on most aspects of the draft have now been finalised. At the same time, civil society activists and legal experts have lined up to criticise regressive aspects of the present draft including a proposed criminalization of all extramarital sex and new restrictions on freedom of expression. To discuss the ongoing revisions of the criminal code, the main actors involved, and the likely outcomes, I'm joined today by Anugra Rizki Akbari, a criminal law expert and lecturer at the Indonesia Gentera School of Law in Jakarta. Eki, as he's known, wrote his master's thesis at Leiden University on the control of Indonesian society through criminalization, and has extensively researched the promulgation of new criminal offences in Indonesia throughout the democratic era. Eki, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Indonesia today.
1: Yeah, it was a pleasure for me to be here.
0: Yeah, and uh, very pleased to have you on the podcast. Now, I've mentioned in opening these revisions to the criminal code have really been underway for a long time, but could I start by asking you, when was the current criminal code in Indonesia actually originally enacted, and what sort of country was Indonesia at the time?
1: Originally speaking, our criminal code was inherited from the Dutch government when they were colonized us in 1918. So before the colonization of Dutch government to Indonesia, we only have the customary law, and we also have the separations of society in terms of the the European people and then the Indonesian people.
0: So... When Indonesia declared its independence in 1945, you're saying that Dutch criminal code carried over into the independent Indonesia.
1: Yeah, that's true. In order to avoid the legal vacuum, the constitutions adopted any current laws that have been implemented before in the Dutch colonization, and then it will be acknowledged as law in the Indonesian legal system, including the criminal code. But... On the first 15 years of Indonesian uh, Indonesian independence, we have some massive changes in the constitution, including the changes in our uh, form of a country. So only after nineteen sixteens the Indonesian Criminal Code was implemented throughout the country, while in the 1945 and 1960, it, it was only implemented in the Java and Madura.
0: But, I mean, after 1960, was the substance of the Criminal Code that was then rolled out across the country, still essentially the same as the criminal code the Dutch had formulated in 1918?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's minor changes. For instance, there were changes in the terms of criminal law when the original Indonesian criminal code that was inherited from the the Dutch law, for instance, there is a terms of governor general to indicate there was uh, Dutch officials in Jakarta uh, in the meantime... uh, is Batavia, so there's a criminal offense against the government general, and because of our independence, that term does not have an effect, and then it it has changed into, for instance, defamations against public official or stuff. So the major changes is on the terminology, and then the second one, in 1960, there is an update on the monetary values and also the amount of criminal fines because the currency in 1990 18 and 1960 was quite different and throughout the years we also made changes in the form of separate laws so we made laws in order to change or eliminate or adding some articles into the criminal code so throughout the years we consistently made changes to our indonesian criminal code including uh, editing, eliminating, and also adding some articles into or out of the Indonesian Criminal Code. The last changes we have done was in 2007 when we enacted the laws on human trafficking. And the effect was the articles on the Indonesian Criminal Code that regulates the human trafficking was uh, revoked and it's been added into the new law on human trafficking.
0: That's really interesting, and I'll ask you a bit more in a second about these amendments to the criminal code made through other legislation, um, often legislation that, as you've flagged, creates new criminal offences. But in terms of creating a new draft of the criminal code, I guess a, a thoroughgoing change to criminal law in Indonesia, when did we see those sorts of efforts commence?
1: Okay. The very first effort come, came in in the nineteen eighty. It was the initiative of the government under the uh, leadership of the late Professor Sudarto. After 1918, the very first draft that has been completed by the drafter was done in 1993 under the uh, leadership of Professor Maggiore Putro. And then the first complete draft, for some reason, was frozen from any discussions. So this draft, was delivered to the Ministry of Judiciary at the time, and then there was no significant improvement for almost five years. And then after that, the draft was demolished, and there was appointment of new drafters of Indonesian Criminal Code in 2004 under the leadership of Professor Muladi.
0: Okay, so if we could just summarise that first twenty five years or so, so you're saying the process started in the nineteen eighties, a draft was finalised in the last years of Suharto's authoritarian rule in nineteen ninety three, but never enacted as law, and then carried over in into the democratic era in two thousand and four. What was it that spurred the government to start to work on a new draft in the nineteen eighties? Do you think, and why? Was it not finalized during the authoritarian era where essentially there was no political opposition?
1: Honestly, I don't know the answer to to, to your questions, but I suspected that the legal reform under the presidency of Suharto wasn't a priority. And then the really fast improvement of Indonesian law was done after the democracy. In 2004, there was an appointment of the drafter, again, under the Department of Justice, And they had a mission to decolonization, democratization, consolidation and harmonization and humanization of Indonesian criminal law. The discussions continued until 2012, the President Susilo Bambang Yudhoyono brought the draft of Indonesian Criminal code to the House of Representatives. But at that time, there is changes in political agenda. We have a general election in 2014, so any discussion of the law must be stopped. And then there, there was a, President Joko Widodo was elected in 2014, and the, this draft of Indonesian Criminal Code was brought again to the legislative in June 5th of 2015, and until this time that draft is discussed between the government and the legislative.
0: Now- One thing I find really fascinating from your previous research is I understand you've created an inventory of all the legislation passed since the end of the authoritarian era that has created new criminal offences, and you've identified around 600 new criminal offences that have been created by legislation apart from the criminal code itself, is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, my research has been done on the period of 1998 until 2014. During the 16 years of our democracy, we have 1,601 criminal offenses, and it consisted of 885 criminal offenses that we already have before. And the new criminalization was done at the rate of 616 that we did not have that criminal offenses before. So yeah, there's a major development in our criminal law because if we take any comparison with the Indonesian Criminal Code that was originally inherited from the Dutch, we only have like 500-ish criminal offenses. While now, during our first 16 years of our democracy, we have more criminal offenses than uh, the Indonesian Criminal Code. But the highlights of my research is the fact that we have the tendency to criminalize certain behaviors over time. And there was a rising trend in this criminalization from time to time, and then it was also followed by the tendency to punish criminals by lengthier punishment. And it gives us a lot of burden to the prisons So if at the moment we face an overcrowding as our criminal law problems, it must be tracked back to the way that our government and our legislative have the tendency to criminalise behaviours over time.
0: Yeah, no, and I mean, there's a couple of things that stand out as fascinating to me from the results of your research there, basically saying that more criminal offences have been created with harsher punishments during democratisation than what were in place in the criminal code that democratic government inherited. I I guess the first of them is, why have we seen, do you think, that drive to criminalize a much broader range of behavior and create harsher penalties? What has been driving that process?
1: Okay, although answering that question wasn't the purpose of my research, but I suspect that Indonesia has no clear visions on how the country should reform its criminal law. For instance, we don't have such a database on how the legislations on criminal law has evolved over time i initiated this research in order to have the clear portrait on how this uh, trend has been going on over time and the second one is because we don't have such data and uh, the the reform of criminal law has going nowhere in in essence that the criminal law has evolved on very much harsher and lengthier punishments. And we don't have such a standard on which uh, behavior should be criminalized. And if we're doing so, which punishment? And the third one, we did not look at the seriousness of the offense and the severity of of criminal sanctions. We have our anti-corruption law that criminalized bribery for five years of imprisonment and adding some criminal fines. But at the same time, if you look at the archive law in 2009, if I'm not mistaken, we criminalized someone who broke the outdated national archive without following the right procedures by 10 years of imprisonment and very high of criminal fines.
0: And I mean, if I stop you there, I think that's interesting what you're saying that without a systematic basis to determine the severity of punishments or what behaviour should be criminalised. You know, presumably that reform process is opened up to all manner of pressures, political considerations and the like. But I guess the other thing that's fascinating to me is, you know, when you talk about so many new criminal offences created, more than 600, I mean, it's been an active area of legislating for the Indonesian government, the Indonesian legislature, why not just revise the criminal code instead of creating all these new different bills?
1: One of the reasons why these practices has been done in years of Indonesian democracy is because we could create our own system of sentencing in our separate laws. So like any other legal system in the world, we have the general books of Indonesian criminal code. It means that any criminal law that have been enacted by the Indonesian government and Indonesian legislative must follow the general provision of Indonesian Criminal Code. But when we try to criminalize criminal offence in separate law, we could make our own sentencing system. For instance, in Indonesian Criminal Code, we did not have the mandatory minimum sentence. We only have one type of sentences. We have the minimum, the very minimum of imprisonment is one day and then the very maximum is whatever decided in the articles. But when you criminalize certain behaviors on separate law, you could introduce sentencing system that suits you the best. For instance, in our anti corruption law, we have the mandatory minimum for certain offenses, and we also have the cumulative sanctions for one behavior. While in Indonesian criminal law, we don't have such thing. We only have the general system of sentencing, in a way that the very minimum period of imprisonment is one day, and then the maximum is whatever decided in the articles. And we just have one type of punishment for each crimes. It's either imprisonment or criminal fines. We don't have like imprisonment and criminal fines for the same conduct, for the same criminal behavior. So maybe this kind of weapon was the reason why we have so many criminalization outside the Indonesian Criminal Code. So.
0: Obviously then one problem with Indonesian criminal law as it stands is as you've described there's different systems of sentencing across different laws, Uh, some have mandatory minimums, some have cumulative sentences and so on and so forth. What are some of the other major problems with the criminal code or criminal law as it stands in Indonesia that the drafters of the revision to the criminal code are trying to address?
1: Before we're talking about these problems, I have to underline that the new draft of Indonesian Criminal Code was drafted in the euphoria that we must have our Indonesian Criminal Code, not the inherited Criminal Code from from the Dutch government, because this overflowing nationalism we trying to introducing our values of Indonesia. That's why the purpose of this new draft was clearly stated that it is to the de- decolonizations, democratization, humanizations, and and so on. But the problem that we have in Indonesian criminal code, the one that was originally inherited from the Dutch, is the monetary values and the amount of criminal fines. Just for your knowledge, we criminalize the crimes of theft in Indonesian criminal code by the sanction of five years of imprisonment or the criminal fines in the amount of maximum 900 rupiah.
0: Which is about 10 cents in in Australian dollars.
1: Which is really low. Yeah. Because the changes for the monetary values and criminal fines, the very latest changes that took place in our Indonesian criminal system was in 1960. After that, the government and also the legislative did not review the monetary values in Indonesian criminal law. So our judge was only left an imprisonment as the only type of punishment to be imposed to the offender. So that's why if right now Indonesia faced the problem of overcrowding, it wasn't a shock after all. Because in our legislations we have the tendency to criminalize people with a harsher punishment and also the lengthier punishment. But in the Indonesian criminal code we also did not give the judge an alternative to imprisonment. And and the other reasons why this draft of new Indonesian criminal code was introduced by this government because there was um, a rapid changes in criminal law worldwide. And then the other thing, there was also the development of new type of punishment, for instance, like a social work, and then daily imprisonment system, like the one that Germany has. So that's all of the major reasons why Indonesia tried to you know, reformulate its criminal law. But the idea is you must have your own criminal law, as simple as that.
0: Yeah, you know, you've described, as you say, having your own criminal law creating alternatives to imprisonment and sort of keeping pace with changes in criminal law worldwide. Um, do we see, I mean, we've heard a lot in media coverage about some of the negative aspects of the proposed revisions to the criminal code. Do, do we see positive steps as well in the draft that address some of those problems or, or other problems that have carried over from the Dutch-inspired criminal code that's in place at present?
1: Yeah. The positive aspect of the new Indonesian Criminal Code was the introduction of a, a criminal fine in a grouping system. Right now, the drafter of this particular bill proposed a system of fines from ranges from Category 1 until Category 6, and it has been classified according to its amount. So if there is any changes in monetary values, we only have to revise that kind of article instead of going through all the articles. Another thing is we sort of adapted all the positive changes in the development of, of criminal law worldwide, like the social work and then the diversions and restorative justice and everything. But mostly, if the original purpose of drafting this particular bill is to decolonization, dehumanization and stuff, there is also a problem with this kind of substance. Because in general, our new bill of Indonesian criminal code was, you know, like the idea is to take all the content of current Indonesian criminal code and then adding it with the several criminal offenses outside the Indonesian criminal code. As simple as that. There are changes, but it's minor. So what I'm trying to say is all the materials come from, uh, from the Dutch inherited criminal law. And then some development was also taken from the current Dutch criminal law. So if the purpose is to have the Indonesian values of criminal law, I must ask the judges which aspect is the Indonesian values of criminal law. And there were also some controversy towards decriminalization of behaviors in privacy, like the free consensual sex, and also towards the LGBT people, there were uh, the drafters will also brought up again the unconstitutional articles of Indonesian Criminal Code, such as the defamation on president and vice president. There was also concerns towards the promotions of condoms. It would also be criminalized under the new Indonesian Criminal Code. But for this particular article, in fact, we also have it in our current Indonesian Criminal Code, but it wasn't enforced after all. So, in general, instead of making a new positive development towards criminalization, the drafter of this Indonesian Criminal Code just take all the criminal offenses in Indonesian Criminal Code and then add it with several criminal offenses outside the Indonesian Criminal Code and does not evaluate whether these articles was enforced or was enforced, but ineffective in practice. They did not evaluate.
0: You're describing, you said the system of fines has been standardized and in a way that will make it easier to revise in the future. You mentioned before there are all these different systems of length of prison term running through different legislation, inconsistent penalties, with seemingly more innocuous offences having longer prison sentences, has all of that been standardised in the current draft?
1: I don't think so. Because in the draft of our Indonesian Criminal Code, we have introduced a lengthier and harsher punishments. if you compare with the previous Indonesian Criminal Code. For instance, without any data and any evidence, the drafters of Indonesian Bill of Criminal Law proposed the increasing sentence of defamation from nine months until five years, while on the practice, the judge will only impose this kind of articles on the range of five until six months. There was no data after all, and we have several research to confirm these findings, and so you know that this significant race of imprisonment wasn't based on any evidence.
0: Eki has since clarified the new proposed maximum sentence for defamation is one year, not five.
1: But uh, during the last two months, the drafters of Indonesian Criminal Code proposed a method to standardize the criminal sanction that should be should be imposed to a potential offender. The name of the method of, is a Delphi method, which requires the anonymous experts in the process and there was a separation of the team in the terms of researchers and experts. These thrusters, who is consists of the criminal law professors, and does not follow the right procedure from Delta method because they have their own judgment. They are the, the the experts and also the researchers, and they're just discussing the value of the criminal sanction between themselves, and it has been proposed to the legislative as the solution to have a standardization of the criminal offenses.
0: Okay, so you're essentially saying they're using the name of this accepted process, the is it the Delphi process, but they're not actually following it in practice. They're merely giving the impression of, of following a systematic yeah. method of altering punishments.
1: Yeah, but the thing is the criminal sanction that right now has been stated in the Bill of Indonesian Criminal Code was proposed before the drafter proposed the Delphi method. So, under the discussions of the government and also the legislative, they're still waiting for from the drafters on the criminal sanctions.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if I understand from what you've been saying, there's essentially three major groups involved in the revision of the criminal code. There are these legal experts who've been appointed by the government. There's the government itself, and the national legislature. Um, could is could you describe what the dynamics have been like between those three groups in the drafting process? Um, has one or the other been more dominant? Have we seen significant disagreements?
1: When you ask about disagreement, this disagreement was there when they discussed several issues. For instance, this is the very heated one. Because the legal expert that has been appointed by the government wanted to introduce what they call as the material principle of legality. So under our criminal law, we cannot punish someone if we don't have such article to criminalize that behavior before. But under this uh, new draft of Indonesian criminal code, the drafter wanted to you know introduce. The customary values of Indonesian community, in order to criminalize behavior that never been regulated before as criminal offenses, and this has been much heated debate between this time, because one thing there are law professors, the criminal professional to be, to be precise, but they trying to what you call like broke the principle of legality in criminal law in the name of the protection of indonesian values of local community
0: okay i'm I, i'm not quite sure i understand how that would work in practice what do you mean by criminalizing behavior because it conflicted with indonesian values what what would be an example of that
1: yeah for instance what difference between indonesia and other westerns liberal democracy is we have our indigenous people We have our Indonesian people and they they live with their own values that must be respected in a way, like the traditions and everything. So this draft of New Indonesian Criminal Code wanted to introduce these values, these uh, unwritten values, as a tool to criminalise behaviour that has been classified as crime according to that values, but not as crime according to national legislation. In essence, we want to criminalize something that has not been criminalized at all at the national legislations, but and we wanted to do it in the name of the customary law.
0: Okay, so you're saying there would be something in the criminal code that simply said it was an offense to violate values.
1: Yeah, like that one. So there's so much debate between these things because it broke the principle of legality in criminal law that says that we cannot punish someone because they, you know, like they violate behavior that never been existed as criminal offense before. And the second one, there is a group of civil society with the name of National Alliance of Criminal Law Reform that uh, consistently criticized these articles and other controversial proposal from the government because when we criminalize something that, never been written as criminal offence before it will flourish the persecution practices and also the you know abuse of power that can be exercised by the police or by the prosecutors but right now the discussion is on the position that the government wanted to make a formal document which kind of customary law that can be used as a tool of criminalizations and it will be regulated under the uh, regional regulations.
0: So are you saying the the provisions are still in the criminal code or they're not anymore?
1: They are not in criminal code. So the criminal code will will have like an exit clause for this kind of offence. So in short, they might sound like any behaviours that violated the local values of Indonesian community will be criminalised under the Indonesian criminal code. And then the Indonesian criminal co- and the Indonesian government will regulate this kind of values or this kind of offences with further regulation, just like that. So the decisions to to criminalise certain behaviours will be given to the regional, uh, local, the local government instead of having it in the national system.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, that 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 sounds like quite a worrying dynamic. I mean, the other aspect that I guess you mentioned earlier has garnered a lot of attention is this new criminal offences basically of behaviour seen by the drafters as immoral, um, including things like extramarital sex, the promotion of condoms and even sexual relations between LGBT people. Where have those sort of new offences come from? Is this something the government has proposed, the, the legal experts they've appointed, or does it come from the, the legislature, the DPR?
1: So any proposal on this Indonesian criminal court was coming from the government, as they're the one who takes the initiative to draft this, this bill. But the discussions was brought into the surface when there is a constitutional review case in our constitutional court where a conservative group of academics in the name of the Family Love Alliance, asked the court to extend the prohibition of adultery to all sex outside of marriage. But at the same time, constitutional court reject this motion, as they said, this is not our domain. You should fight this type of motion in the legislation. And then the discussions uh, hit it until today. But the highest peak of this, you could say this is a type of expression towards discrimination or everything. When Jakarta have their elections last year, when there's a candidate of the former governor of Jakarta, Basuki Jaya Purnama, who is a Christian, versus Anis Rashid Baswedan, and the, the elected governor that has a religion of Islam. So the politics of identity significantly raised during these elections. But there's also a case on the Basuki Jaya Purnama on defamation on Islam, and now, right now, he is in jail for two years. So these discussions on moral crimes was also gotten the attention from the, uh, the government, also the legislative. They're trying to criminalize, like that, extramarital uh, sex, and then they will also criminalize a man and a woman who is living together without any marriage. And the second one, the promotion of condom and also towards LGBT people. The criminalization of this type of conduct shows us that we have no clear identity on the criminalization. Because if we're trying to decolonize the colonization values under the current Indonesian criminal code, I would say that our proposal on criminalization is worse than the Dutch. Because on the Dutch, they will criminalize any behaviors in the moral aspect if the first one they did it in public. So, if for instance, if someone has sex in public, they will be criminalized under the current Indonesian Criminal Code. And then the second one, if the sex itself using any violence or threat of violence, they will be uh, criminalized again. And the third one, if one of the Offenders slash victims was juvenile or underage. They will be criminals after all, even though they're they're doing it with consent. And the fourth one is if someone broke the marriage with that kind of offense. So the Dutch criminal code was clear in the sense that they have their own limits to criminalize certain behaviors in moral aspects, while. In this new proposed crimin, uh, criminal law, we want to criminalise any thing that does not conform with the majority values of Indonesians.
0: Okay, so it's really uh, an extent. You're saying an extension of the identity politics, particularly of groups who've wanted uh, Islam and conservative interpretations of Islam to govern all aspects of life has now been extended into this draft of the criminal code regardless of whether the conduct is happening in public or in the or in the private sphere
1: yeah so the criminalization that that takes place under this new bill of Indonesian criminal law is whoever have a free consensual sex without marriage
0: i mean an article like that have conservative groups lobbied the government or the drafters or political parties or is this more Drafters taking the initiative to introduce measures they think will be popular.
1: Actually, the political groups in Indonesia was put into a dilemma with this kind of criminalizations. For instance, PDIP, who who happens to be the major political parties that backs up the current governments, was put into the position that their government was the one who took the initiative on this kind of criminalizations. But on the other end, it sort of like contradict with their value that promoting the nationalism into the Indonesian citizens. While this type of organizations, without any doubt has their support from the Islamic and conservative groups, the government and also the PDIP in particular, I think they put their position in, in the stance that it will favor the result of general elections.
0: Clearly then, you know, conservative Islamic forces in Indonesian society are directly or indirectly influencing this drafting process to the extent that, as you're saying, even a party like PDIP that's been at the secular nationalist end of the spectrum has generally supported protections of minority rights, opposed the pornography law when it was enacted about a decade ago, may now support these sorts of new criminalisation of behaviours seen as immoral uh, as, as the government party. So, you know, the, the influence of Conservatives is clear. What about civil society groups and, and activist groups, uh, legal experts who oppose these sorts of measures? Have they been able to influence the drafting process and is there more they could do to try to achieve changes in the, in the current draft?
1: The major player on the civil society side was the National Alliance of uh, Criminal Law Reform under the coordination of Institutes for Criminal Justice Reform. So there is a bunch of civil society organizations, including academics, that consistently have their works on the national criminal law reform. And I can uh, report to you that there is really clear Rejections on this type of uh, bill, but recently the president called for legal experts, Muhammad Mahfud MD, the former constitutional court chief, and then the ADOS uh, Hiarich, this is the lecturer of University of the Jamada, and then Marwara Siaan, the former judge of constitutional court, and then uh, Luhut Pangaribuan, uh, an advocate, and also. The president called the drafters of the Indonesian Criminal Code, uh, which is the criminal law professors in Indonesia. And it's only yesterday that the president stated through their secretary, the minister of Secre- state secretary, the president's want that the discussions and the enactment of this Indonesian Criminal Code was speed up because the president's worried that if the discussions on this particular bill did not finish on this period, or even this year, the discussion has to restart again and started at zero.
0: But do you think bringing in these new external legal experts on top of the people who have been drafting the criminal code to date will create significant changes in the substance? Might we see some of these moral crimes removed?
1: I don't think so. Because we don't know the exact topic they've been discussing, but we do know that from the media that after the meeting with these four legal experts, the president called the drafter of the Indonesian Criminal Code as well, and the result of these meetings is to speed up the process because the president wants this thing is completed as soon as possible because it will be a massive concern for next year's general elections uh, when the, all the political parties in the legislative will turn their focus into that, that election.
0: Sure, sure. And, you know, I've actually seen some Indonesian activists saying, oh, it might be better now if the criminal code wasn't concluded, if it just carried over till after the election. But do you think we've this sort of direct pressure from President Jokowi, the draft will probably be finalized in the near future.
1: I think, if there is no significant event in in Indonesian criminal law, such as maybe like the massive protests like in 1998 or stuff, the enactment will be will be done in a few months, I think, because all the parties. Is in synchronicity, in sync they want to finish the job.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if a new criminal code was enacted in the next few months with the sorts of provisions that are in there at present, what would the broader impacts be for Indonesian democracy?
1: Yeah, for Indonesian democracy, there will be a major setback because if we pass these uh, criminalizations, the first one, we have our own freedom reduced through decriminalization on moral crimes. And the second one, it will also reduce the quality of Indonesian government programs, for instance, for, you know, minimizing overcrowding, while on the other hand, they're proposing a bill that will punish people even more. And the third one, it is a major step back, because the president and the government and also the legislative sort of like rejects all the protests, rejects all the concerns from civil society organizations in the name of the favorable polling in the general elections. So we wanted to have a national Indonesian criminal law that has been objective, that has been standardized in terms of series of the offenses and the severity of criminal sanctions. But in fact, we will enact, if you may, a bill that criminalizes almost every behavior without any data, without any standard, and in a very speedy process. And we don't have the evaluations, we don't have the correct visions on how we reform our criminal law. So for me, particularly and for Indonesian democracy, it will be the major setbacks in the era that evidence-based policy is favorable for the government worldwide, we choose to not following this trend in the name of yeah, as soon as the job done is done. So for me it's it's not a good sign.
0: Eki, that's a worrying note to finish on, but thanks so much for taking the time today to explain the issues at stake, how things came to be at the point they're at, and what some of the prospects are for maybe this flawed piece of legislation to be enacted. Thanks so much for for appearing on Talking Indonesia today.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure for me to be in this podcast.
0: That was Anugara Riski Akbari, a criminal law expert and lecturer at the Indonesia Gentero School of Law in Jakarta. Now, Talking Indonesia returns on the 29th of March. Uh, until then, remember you can access the entire archive at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog, subscribe via iTunes, or listen to the podcast via your favourite podcasting app. Until next time, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast. Bye for now.